welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Constantinos Manos from Vesuvius Media, an indie game development company that specializes in tactile dexterity board games like Catapult Kingdoms. Their current pirate-fueled game, To Glory, is currently on Kickstarter. Constantinos, welcome to the bench. How you doing? Hi, James. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> oh, man. We, we had some crazy uh, technical difficulties getting into this one, my friend, but uh, we made it. We you made managed it to, to punch through. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> so how well are you done. doing? So we don't know each other at all. Uh, no. This is the first we've met. I didn't even get a chance to do kind of a pre-chat with you just because, again, we had some uh, some issues there technically. So we we're rushing to kind of make sure we got this out on time. Uh, so let me just start off with, I want to learn a little bit about you. I know you guys at Catapult Kingdoms. Uh, yeah. I know that you guys specialize in dexterity type games, which are the kind of games I loved growing up on when I was a kid. Uh, and definitely, I think there's some inspiration across your portfolio from, from the eighties and from the seventies when we were kids. So I want to get into that, but let's start off like, so you're, you're based in Halifax, right? Yes. Halifax, Canada. Actually, I'm uh, originally from Greece. I, okay. my wife is from Dartmouth, uh, here in, uh, Dartmouth is a city around, uh, Halifax. Yeah. And, uh, we moved here like, uh, eight years ago. Nine. I lost it with the pandemic. We lost a couple of years. That was like a little bit of something. So, yes, uh, we initially started uh, as a company, uh, as a a group of friends doing uh, mobile and uh, browser games, digital games back uh, then. Like in 2004, we started uh, trying to do games. It took us uh, six, seven years to figure out that uh, it's way harder than we thought of. (laughs) And then at around 2010, we switched to board games. Uh, Mainly as uh, we always wanted to do games. We always, uh, uh, we have been backers for, I cannot remember since when we are board gamers, we are the RPG, like everything geeky, we were doing it back in the days. So at some point we said, we would love to do it ourselves. We have already invested a lot of money in uh, art and stories in building worlds. And uh, we said, uh, what can we do with all that? And we decided to launch our first board game. Back then it was called Centauri Saga. It was a sci-fi uh, legacy type uh, co-op, uh, 4X type of game okay, that yeah. doesn't last uh, 15 days like uh, uh, what a, what's the uh, I don't know, I'm stuck but uh, yes but uh, it was like an hour and a half game time uh, 10 scenarios and uh, it was really fun that was what launched our company from then on we just got hooked we have done uh, we have successfully delivered 17 campaigns so far mm. to glory is our 18th in uh, the process of uh, all those games, uh, we are a company that uh, pretty much touches a little bit of everything. We like, uh, but we like more casual board game sure. night games rather than uh, five, six hour games uh, long. So in the process, we have done uh, four dexterity games. Catapult Kingdoms that you mentioned is uh, our biggest success so far. Mm. It's the only game of ours that has uh, hit uh, mass distribution. We won the Game of the Year 2021 award from the nice. Australian Toy Association. It has been translated in 27 countries. And uh, hopefully we're going to see it in uh, retail 
not the Kickstarter edition, <laughs> but the basic game is going to be around in stores, hopefully for years to come. Uh, we also had another dexterity game, which was Monstrosity. It's a dice game uh, inspired by a really cool mechanism Artificial Games has done for uh, uh, and, uh, one of their projects. It was called the game. Cool Mini mm-hmm. picked it up afterwards. And now we're back with uh, To Glory. Why dexterity? Well, now I have uh, seven and a 12-year-old. <laughs> no, okay, which, gotcha. uh, back in the days, was like four or five. And I was always looking for... Uh, we're pretty much in the same... Uh, situation with the rest of uh, the people that we're working with. And uh, we're looking for games to play with our kids without holding back. We can't yeah. play everything. But usually you have to dumb it down, try to play it. And I wanted to... and then dexterity came into the question. First of all, most of all these uh, games do not have any text. You don't have to read. You don't have to do anything. So you Five-year-old, four-year-old, thirty-year-old, you don't have to read, so you're good to go. Then, because it's dexterity, I don't have to hold back. Like, I can literally lose in the catapult feud game from my five-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and I play full force, but he's going to beat me down. So that's what we're looking for. We're looking to bring this uh, into the mix. And uh, we managed to do it with uh, catapult. Yeah. And I think that we're going to do it also with uh, To Glory. Like it's going to be a game that you're going to see what, a lot. What brought uh, you to Canada? So I'm, I'm in Canada as well. And uh, yeah. I remember when we first were talking, I was like, whoa, that, that's not a East Coast accent. <laughs> Usually in Newfoundland, uh, you have a very different accent than, uh, than, a, than a Greek accent. So what brought you to Canada from, from Greece? Well, they have a really good recruiting team here, <laughs> I would say. NSBI, which is the Nova Scotia Business Something in in Inc. or something, I don't know exactly how, what the acronym is for. Uh, we were here as a vacation uh, back in uh, August 2000. I don't remember when. It was 11, yeah. 12, I think, something like that. And um, we were approached by a person from the government that uh, was his job was to attract companies for overseas and show them what they could do for us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took us by hand for three days, showing us the industry, showing us uh, what infrastructure there is to help, and I was blown away. Like, literally, like, me and my wife said, like, wow! <laughs> and at that point, the kid was three, three mm-hmm. and a half. So we said, look, we have two years before he needs to go to school. So, and, and we had one kid back then. Now we have to. Uh, So we either do it now. If we fail, we know how to fall back. Mm -hmm. Or at least uh, we do not like to live our lives having a huge what if above our heads. So that's our mentality. It's better to try and fail rather than saying, and if I have done it. So we said no. On the way back, we said, let's do it. We pretty much packed everything in a month. Hmm. left ourselves with six bags and now you understand that we do have a support because she's from here so we at least have family here to begin with we don't pack and go blindly uh, someplace and uh, both our jobs were online so I have a PhD in computer science so I'm mainly a software engineer I deal with websites mobile applications stuff if I have internet I work be it in Alaska be it in the moon be it in Canada or be it in Greece yeah. So for us, it was an easy, it, it was just about a location. So we said, let's go give it a try. And I'm not going back. <laughs> I'm awesome. done. Like, as soon as I step foot here and the Maritimes have uh, 
yeah, I, I love it. I love it here. I love the lifestyle. I love the rhythm. I love everything. The people, even people. the winters. <laughs> yes, I have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah, you get slammed pretty hard on the east coast of Canada in the winter times for sure. The first winter, the first winter was the winter. I remember my father-in-law saying, like, we have never had a winter like that. And I was saying, like, this is the only thing I know from Canada. <laughs> I was shoveling. And until I reached the street, I was looking behind, there was around 27 days of snow. It was that winter. Great. Has ever happened again since the, the last decade I've been here. But holy delito, that was something. <laughs> now you're saying that a bunch of your friends, uh, a group, like a collection of you have kind of formed this company. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? So how, how does that work? So even if you check on our, our website, you will see that we're pretty much uh, four or five people. Mm-hmm. It is me, my wife, my brother, and uh, two friends. One of my best friends and one very cool uh, friend that happened to join the company in the process with the board game uh, knowledge. And uh, that's how we started. Like, um, it is, we have one storyteller, we have one technical guy, we have a PR girl, my wife, and we have, uh, we have a DM <laughs> and a board game developer. <laughs> that's pretty much it. And uh, for uh, five, six years at the beginning, we were doing it part-time. Uh, mm. We all had our jobs. Uh, I think like in the last uh, three years is the time that uh, uh, we managed to at least three of us be full-time on the company. And we're now dedicated on whatever the vision of the company is going through. But it was uh, it was really tough, especially at the beginning. Uh, as we said before, like we started by running the campaign in Canadian dollars. Uh, we lost a lot of money mm. at the beginning because of uh, the exchange rate. Uh, we had to put an investor into the company to keep it afloat. We still have uh, lost control 30% of our company because of that. But we are still here and we're yeah. growing. So we cannot whine about that. Uh, we realized really soon that uh, designing and creating a game is but a fraction of the whole (laughs) process. And we had to learn and teach ourselves so many different things from manufacturing, from freighting, from shipping, or how we talk with backers, how we manage all the requests, how every single, how we write rule books. The first two games, the rule book was was really bad. Yeah. And uh, as soon as you set down that path, it's difficult to come back to the back and pressure it and that, look, no, now we learned. It took us a lot of uh, time, a lot of effort. We lost a lot of money at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But uh, now we have reached a point where at least we're established in the industry. People know us. People can trust us. We're not like many companies. And I don't know if you noticed the news. <laughs> we, 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 we respect our backers. Yeah. Even during the pandemic, we deliver on time. Mm-hmm. We never asked for extra money for any reason. Okay. Yeah. Or we never used the war, the inflation, the pandemic as an excuse to cover for our own mismanagement. Maybe that's the Canadian in you. I don't know now, right? Uh, we're the same thing during our campaigns. Yeah, we never missed one. Uh, and uh, we had to eat a lot of, a lot of costs. Uh, during yes. the container uh, shortage issue, and and we just ate it, right? I believe I believe that that's the that's the bucket in you, and that's the bucket in me. Yeah. Like uh, I really, uh, we do not want to do to our buckers what we the way people uh, people bigger companies have treated us. Mm-hmm. We do not want that. Like we were feeling crappy when this was happening. Why yeah. would I want to continue that? So I do my due diligence. 
Yes, there are things that can go wrong. There's, there can be delays. But be crystal clear, be frank, and like say, speak the truth. Yeah. Own your mistakes. If you make a mistake, it's mistake, own it. Don't try to put it under the rug or use. Like I see even companies today talking about pandemic, the war, and inflation. What yeah. does this have to do with anything? <laughs> when you are coming back and you're asking $150 from each backer extra, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah Where is this? No, you mismanaged it. I'm with you. Own it. Let's move on. It's crazy. You know, in this industry, uh, it actually shocks me that no matter what industry you're in, there's always controversy. But it affects, yes, it affects us, right? Because it affects the industry. Because at the end of the uh, day, the backer loses trust to yeah. the process, loses trust to Kickstarter, not Kickstarter crowdfunding, let's say. Like, it is a process that some of us, we rely on it. Yeah. And we respect it. And we're here to walk it through. We understand, we respect every dollar the backer spends. Yeah. But then you have some other people that are doing whatever. And then the bigger you are, the more fuss you create. And then the rest of it just follows. So I want to talk quickly about Catapult Kingdoms because this game, uh, you know, obviously there's some thematic similarities with crossbows and catapults when I was a kid. And ironically, my brother has asked me about this this morning and we we're talking about games. He's like, uh, not Adam, my design partner, but my other brother saying, remember that game we used to play when we were kids? Like where you're actually on the floor with the, that was so awesome. And I wish I could buy the game. And I said, you can get a game very much like that right now. It's called Catapult. Yes. It's called uh, Catapult Kingdoms. Like, well, I'm actually interviewing them this afternoon. This is crazy that we're talking about this, but that whole idea of getting down on the floor and playing yes. a game with your kid or kids getting down on the floor and playing games that are very tactile, I absolutely love that. What surprised me when I saw that campaign come out, being the small independent publisher that you are, like we're all small independent publishers, right? Uh, for many of us, uh, this is kind of a side gig almost, right? And uh, like the amount of 3D modeling and 3D printing and stuff, like, because I was following that campaign during development. It was really cool how you guys are sharing the development as you went along in all like the little models of like the little soldiers that are on the wall and stuff like that. I remember looking at this thinking, how are these guys going to afford this? Like, this is, this has got to be crazy expensive to make. Like, what did, you must have taken a loss on that game, did you? Or it was, it was, it was. Uh, the thing is that uh, when you do half a million campaign, yeah. people believe yeah. you made a million. <laughs> now, the Catapult Kingdoms, the original campaign, because now the game is called Catapult Feud, yeah, has yeah. to do with some trademarking in uh, Australia, but yeah. Yeah, for, let's not go down that road yeah, yeah. when we opened up in more countries. Now, the original campaign, uh, we were lucky we didn't operate at a loss. Literally wow. lucky because we mismanaged. It was the first campaign that did extremely well. I will give you an idea. You will see the pricing, you understand. The original campaign had for 60 US. Yeah. Or seeds artificial. You can see the three boxes behind me. Yeah. Game Matt and Tai Samo. And we're giving 50% off to retailers and people were still whining about wanting more free stuff. Yeah. These five items today in the retail, they're 130 US. Yeah. We're giving them for 60 in the first campaign. Yeah. So, of course, yes. We, we didn't, uh, it was the first campaign that blew up in the first uh, 48 hours. We did a quarter of a million. So we lost track of how many stretch goals and we didn't calculate that, uh, man, when you have 5,000 backers and you give a brick you yeah. give 5,000 bricks for free. 
So you cannot have a step of five or ten thousand dollars at that point because every single item we give, it's time five thousand, yeah. <laughs> time six thousand. How many? So yes, and that's uh, you see that in the next campaign, the same bundle was at ninety, a hundred dollars, which was still less than the retail because we, you always get a, a bargain on sure. our campaigns, whether it seems or not. People believe, oh, I'm going to get in retail. You will not get what we have on Kickstarter, on retail, yeah. no matter how. Even if the game becomes extremely successful, there are certain things. We don't brand them Kickstarter exclusive because we don't like this, this FOMO, click it here now, get it. Yeah. But whoever is actually a Kickstarter backer realizes that there are, the Kickstarter edition, you will not see it. Unless mm. you find it on eBay tomorrow, you will not see it. And definitely not at that price. Yeah. So that's how it, uh, it it overgrew us, but it taught us on how to manage it. It pushed us to create even better tools. Like uh, we have done 2,000 uh, backers campaign, but the 5,500 backers campaign plus the late pledge, it's almost 65, 7,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed new tools for uh, for management of replacements, new tools for management of communication. So we, we learned a lot from this campaign. And then uh, from then on, now we, we have it down to... <laughs> pretty much science yeah uh, it's a learning with everyone but it does become very scientific right like um yes right now we do we build the tools to do exactly that like we have uh we are not using any pledge manager uh from the ones known out there we're using hive which was developed with us at the same mm. time and this is a platform pretty much that computerizes our entire industry like I even handle my invoices through that system i needed a system where I don't uh, rely on you having uh, some support emails in your mailbox. Then we have some on Kickstarter messages. Then some the social PR person has a Facebook messages or tweets or whatever. And yeah. then I'm trying to figure out who talked to me, where and how to yeah. get a replacement of for one missing ball or one missing trooper from their box. And then because all of these things, because you're exposed in Kickstarter, right? It is social media. Everything is exposed out there. If you start making mistakes or you're missing things, the people that are disappointed are the most vocal. The people that got their game and are having fun, yeah, 10,000 people, five of them are going to post something good about you. But if you have 10 people that don't get what they want, they're going to be all over posting. So you have to do better management on everything that situation that you have to deal and not lose anything. So we created a system that pretty much tracks everything. We can see everything with a click. And we know that we don't miss any ball and we're on top of it. And we try to respond in everything in 24 hours, no matter what, weekends or anything. Yeah. So we try to be on top to handle our community and respect them at least as much as they respect us by paying us, giving us their money, taking a risk with us, right? Because no. backing a campaign, it is a risk. We have to respect that. So talk to me about To Glory. Where did this idea come from? Like, how did you guys come up with um, To Glory? We saw that the extended games are so fun and the, the, the response we saw at the convention, like when we were at Spiel, at Zencon, like having a booth full of kids playing and stuff. Okay, what's next? <laughs> so at that point, we actually, we were already talking with uh, uh, the designer uh, of the game. Uh, about He had some ideas about a, a more war game type mechanic. Like yep. it was a... Somewhere between war game and uh, dexterity game, and had various features. But at that point, we were already in the mood. We want the family game. Let's go. <laughs> so at that point, uh, we started working on his game with a different aspect. Mm-hmm. We made the 
the ships bigger, we made the board bigger, we, it already had uh, a launching uh, mechanism to launch cubes from one ship, attacking the Kraken, attacking the tower, trying to take down the pirates, and uh, we just built up on it, and it became a pick, we call it a pick-up and delivery dexterity game, which is pretty much what they like, you pick up map clue tokens, trying to find the treasure in other islands. But while you're walking around, you throw cannon volleys to everybody, to your opponents, to Krakens, to whatever happens around the, the game. The game lasts 20 minutes, which is exactly what we want. Like yeah. we really want you to play in an hour, two, three sessions, because whenever you have a game that there's only one winner, it's better to have more than one sessions. So you give a chance for everyone to have a win, rather than to play an hour, two hours, have one winner and three sort of losers. <laughs> It's not fun. I'm going to describe what I'm seeing here because, I mean, this looks super cool. So, first of all, congratulations on your funding. So, you guys are $53,000 on $13,000 goal. So, you have like four times your goal. Amazing. 586 yes. backers. Still nine days to go. So, we know with the kind of reverse bell curve that's going to hook back up near the end. So, I'm sure you guys are going to be very happy with where you land. You have this board that has these, I guess, hexagons or octagons, I guess, right, uh, on it. And you, your, your ships are kind of moving. You have these three-dimensional ships. Yeah, he's going to show it too on the screen. You have these three-dimensional ships. I'm going to use words because you have people that actually listen to this podcast versus watch it. Yes, so you have to, to see it to understand the scale of it. Oh, <laughs> they huge. are huge. And they have, a, a, they have a catapult component. So you put your cubes here, you press like a seesaw mechanism, you throw, and then the cubes uh, are... Uh... All right, let me describe this because not everybody's watching. Some people are just listening, right? So... He's got this ship that's, it's, um, you basically assemble the ship, right? So it's got card pieces that assemble the ship. Pantsport, that it's thick, durable, uh, printed in both sides with uh, linen finish because yeah. uh, because it's pantsport, people believe that it might deteriorate. We have a prototype that was played four days, eight hours per day at Essen. We still have the same prototype that was DHL to Europe for reviewers, for photography. Then we had it at Gamma last week and yeah. the prototype is still going. All right. Just so this thing is about the size of his hand. If you stretch your hand, that's about the size of the ship. And you have four of these ships with your game. Uh, you're moving these ships uh, throughout the board. and But then on each ship, you actually have a catapult yes. where you're flinging. Is it cubes? What are you flinging at the other guy? Yes. Uh, it's a wooden cubes. You put three wooden cubes, seesaw, bam, and then you fire them. And the old models have the same mechanic. Like the tower also has the catapult on it. Oh, okay. You got the tower too. The Kraken. Yeah. As also, oh, sorry. And the Kraken. Oh, and the Kraken hurls stuff at people too. Oh, that's yes. Oh, that's Everything so cool. that you see on the board hears things on the on the other uh, And uh, you get points by if you uh, touch with your uh, boulder and uh, with your with your bullet with your cannon volley, you get one point. If you manage to land, you get two because you are boarding. Yeah. And uh, if you knock the captain down, you get three points. Oh, that's so, cool. yes, it's, uh, it's it's a really fun game, really easy. The kids uh, get hooked up. The the grown-ups just yell. Like, uh, we will have played this in a couple of boardroom cafes. And you can imagine, like, yeah, I did it. It has, like, all these cool action, like, memorable moments. Yeah, I did that cool shot, that trick shot. So that's what we wanted. That's uh, the excitement that we wanted. And uh, the great price point. because you... that, uh are you collecting treasure? Like I see those coins on your page. Like, are you collecting treasure? So you go, the right? yeah. main game mechanic is that uh, you have to go to a to an island, pick up a treasure uh, map token. Okay. These are two sided. From one side, they they just uh, show the island. On the other side, they tell you where you have to go to find the treasure. 
So the idea is that you have to go with your map to an island zone. You reveal your token. You find the treasure token. The, if you get two treasure chests, the end game is triggered, and then we calculate victory points. Mm. But while you're moving around the Black Sea, everybody's shooting at everybody. That's so awesome. there is a really good balance. Actually, you can win the game if, even if you don't get the treasure chest. If uh, you make it so that you hit everybody every round, you're making more points overall than uh, the treasures that you're picking up. This reminds me. This, uh, this reminds me a little bit of um, uh, Sid Meier's Pirates, right? The video game where you're yeah. trying to kind of anticipate where the person's going to be, right? So you can get lined up right to kind of. So yes, the game does yeah. have this. Like uh, there are some people. <laughs> it has been funny. Based uh, been based on comments we have uh, here, like uh, the. You can use your ship to block other pe people from walking because you cannot end up your movement uh, adjacent to another ship. That's why the models are so big. You can also move the Kraken to block other people. So there is like a bumper type of mechanic yeah. where you're moving around where you can make it more difficult to the other people. And then some people are saying, oh, I don't want uh, the bumper mechanic, but then I want ways to block the other opponent. But the bumper mechanic is a way to block the other opponent. <laughs> like that's part of the game, part of the fun. So depending on the number of players, uh, you can get more of, a, of that effect or you can even divide in uh, teams, let's say. Yeah. The two of us versus the two of you. So somebody's blocking, somebody's attacking. There are so many cool things that you can do. If you see it as a toy, you just have fun. It's 20 minutes, figure it out. And we have seen that with catapults as well. People can make their own rules and we have no problem with that. Like these are games that you put to have fun. I'm going to yeah. give you a set, go create your own. Have Bring your own games in it. <laughs> Combine it. <laughs> right? It's, uh, it's, it's all about fun. Oh, super cool. And uh, so, and just quickly, do the ships fit back in the box after you assemble them yet? Yes. And that's why the box is huge. <laughs> yeah. Actually, this is, uh, this is the bigger, the biggest box we have done so far as uh, from all of our games. Yeah. Uh, because of that, because uh, that's the only thing that could make the models not last. We figured it out with the first uh, test is taking them apart and then putting them back together. Back, then they start becoming flimsy. So we said, no, we have a bigger box. Everything fits assembled inside the box. And we're going to give you instruction, the rule book on how to actually put them around. The box doesn't have a tray. It is printed inside with a nice C background that looks cool. Yeah. And then you feel like you put them to rest there. Oh, that's cool. So what's the next, like, where do you guys go from here? What's the next steps? Like, is there, are you continuing on with this game? I'm sure you guys have got another one coming. Is it still dexterity based or where are you going? We'll have two more games coming this week, this year uh, from Vesuvius Media. Uh, now we're going into board game. We're going back to our roots. Uh, one is called uh, Omerta. It is, uh, you're playing uh, uh, the one of the five families in uh, New York trying to control uh, the territory in Manhattan. And uh, it is really thematic. It has uh, many historical uh, references. It's a three to five, uh, mainly three to five uh, players, two hour game mm -hmm. with a lot of uh, uh, controversy. But uh, there is a two player also scenario, different scenarios. There is a two player to learn how to play the area control, but there's a lot of beating, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of death threatening like you can put a death contract, contract for another family go kill the godfather go kill the street boss build casinos and racketeering and everything that no, happens. that's cool yes and then we have uh, another game uh, hopefully at the end of the year or beginning of uh, q1 2024 where uh, that's in collaboration with Caosium, where we have a call of cthulhu game coming up 
uh, we're going to announce that uh, later on with more uh, cool stuff. Uh, oh. This is these are these are both games that we have been working for about three years now, so we're really proud. But we just need them to be perfect before we launch them. So this is what we have. Uh, so if people want to follow you guys, how best do they do that? So obviously you can go to the Kickstarter. The best way is Kickstarter. Yes, Kickstarter following uh, as on uh, Kickstarter or uh, our Facebook or social media like uh, Facebook and Twitter. We will always uh, post and we always manage them. Yeah, Kickstarter. It's the best way to know when we do a new launch. Nice. I'll put it as a link in the show notes as well afterwards. So if people want to find your campaign page, they can find it quickly. Oh man, I, I can't wait to see how this thing turns out. I, I want to wish you guys all the best on this campaign. Still got nine days to go. I'm very excited for you. We'll see where you land and all the best in this coming year. Right? Thank you very much, James. It was really happy to be here and talk to you about it. Take care, my friend. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. Thank you.